grasping the thin, almost translucent veil between that of fact and fiction, revealing mysteries of the past, folklore passed down from father to son, unsolved murders, and things that go bump in the night. You've entered Deceptive Reality. Hello and welcome back to the Deceptive Reality Podcast. We're here for the second part of a two-parter. My name is Nick, and this is the ever-convivial Bert. Whoa! I don't even know what that is, Nick! (laughs) (laughs) Likeable and charming. Boy, there's that was a, that was a compliment. That is two words I don't think has ever been pieced together with my name, Nick. Thank you so much. Oh, I I'll get doubt all emotional that. over here. Oh, sorry, sorry. Man, I apologize. I'm about to cry over here, Nick. Good night. I feel something uh, in my eyes. It's just it's allergies. It's an emotional folks. time. A <laughs> lot, lot of people are uh, misty eyed because they've been waiting so long. Listen, I guarantee there's been a couple of y'all probably real mad. Again, we didn't change back into this clothing right here. We recorded this, obviously, night one. I lied earlier when I said there's 17 episodes. There's two. But welcome back to episode two. I can't believe we got these suckers to come back, Nick. (laughs) Fooled them again. (laughs) Fooled them again. Well, obviously, for anyone that doesn't know, if you didn't see the first one, stop what you're doing. Go back and see the first one. If you did see the first one, you need a refresher. Are you ready to see what happens to Janet again? I know you are. Let's go. Previously on Deceptive Reality. On the night of August 30th, 1977, marked the genesis of the strange occurrences that would soon grip the Hodgson family in a vice of fear and fascination. It was on this night that Janet and Pete Hodgson, two of Peggy's children, came forward with an inexplicable and disturbing revelation. Their beds, the very bastions of rest and security, were, for reasons unknown, wobbling beneath them. Janet, Pete, Margaret, boy number two. (laughs) If one of you are up to something, Nick's gonna know. Detective Nick's gonna know. We're talk adoption in the morning. (laughs) Wow! Straight to a doctor. Kidding, kidding, kidding. Imagine the innocence of a child's toy, perhaps a small stuffed animal or a plastic soldier. Now envision the same object imbued with an unsettling energy, its innocence transformed into something disquieting. On multiple occasions, toys, once playthings of joy, would come to life in an uncanny fashion. They didn't just fall from shelves or tables. These objects would launch themselves across rooms as though hurled by an invisible arm. The trajectories were not random. These toys would often aim directly at family members or crash into walls with force. This is very typical of poltergeist in the beginning. Uh, Margaret, Peter, boy number two, and mom. (laughs) Poor kid. (laughs) That poor kid, man. Boy number two. The nighttime disturbances had become a relentless torment for Peggy and her children. The chairs that moved of their own accord and the eerie knocking sounds had become an ominous overture, building towards something far more unsettling. It began as a faint whisper, a disembodied murmur that drifted through the darkness. Peggy and her children huddled together, their faces etched with fear, straining to discern the words. As the voice gained clarity, it claimed to be that of a former resident of the house, a man who had passed away years earlier. 
It addressed Janet, saying, You're 11, right? And taunted Billy with chilling phrases like, I know you're scared. All right, Nick. So, you have to understand, paranormal investigators come in. Mm -hmm. They see all this activity. Yep. At this point, there's knocking and banging. They've not moved in yet to investigate all this. Right. Paranormal investigators dip, and now one night they're laying there, and they hear a very ominous voice. Mm-hmm. A disembodied voice from thin air. Yes. All right. Fasten your safety belts. If you have kids, send them to bed. Okay. Yeah. They shouldn't have been listening up to this point. We already warned you about that. Correct. Because they're going to need psychiatric help when this is done. Let's go! But just when they thought they had grasped the magnitude of the haunting, the Hodgsons were faced with a new, deeply unsettling development. The voice, once a disembodied whisper echoing through the halls, underwent a chilling transformation. It started to gain intensity and weight, as though gathering strength from the family's fear and the increasing public attention. It was at this juncture that the unexplained phenomena reached a harrowing peak. The sinister voice that had so far been a spectral presence within the home found a new channel for its malevolence, Janet. The young girl, who had already been at the center of much of the activity, now became the literal voice for the entity. Her own vocal cords were co-opted, her speech overtaken by the deep, guttural utterances of something wholly other. It was a new level of violation, making the menace not just external, but deeply, disturbingly personal. Can you squeak the bed? I can't hear you talking. Now, say Dr. Bellon. Come on. Come on, say it for me, Dr. Bellon. This shift was more than unnerving. It was horrifying both for Janet and for everyone around her. 
The voice no longer needed furniture to move or walls to knock upon. It had found a human vessel, turning the family's own daughter into an involuntary medium for its insidious messages. And in doing so, the entity raised the stakes immeasurably, plunging the family into uncharted waters that even the most skeptical investigators could not ignore. You weren't kidding. You weren't <laughs> kidding. You warned me before that some of this... Some of this audio is going to scare me. That was spooky. <laughs> so the first couple of clips, you guys probably heard it sound a little weird. I had to enhance the audio. So right. it was so bad because you have to understand this is 1970s audio. A lot of times they would just use tape recorders. They weren't using high end mm. stuff. Now those tape recorders would have mics on them. To give you an idea, that first audio clip, you could not make out what he said at all. So I had to take all the background noise out. But then in addition to that, I had to remove the echo because again, it's a wide open room. So right. some of it still wasn't perfect, but I got it to where you could at least hear what he was saying. Now, for anyone that doesn't know, go back and listen to Janet's, normal voice. It's very high pitched and it sounds like a girl that's 11 years old. This is an 11 right. year old girl talking. That shocked me <laughs> because I, I can hear an older man's voice and the inflection in it, the accent it's consistent from one clip to another, which I believe happened on different times. Yes. Um, it, ah, I feel like it would be difficult for a child to make that voice. It's almost like you precisely mimicked someone else. If you were capable of doing that. Correct. Very now, here's consistent. The, here's the other thing. When she talked, she spoke with a different cadence. Right. I noticed that. So the other thing that they talked about, because again, they want to be scientific. When you drop your voice that many octaves, you can do it. And it puts a major strain on your voice. Mm. They said that a child her age, scientifically speaking, that was doing that could maybe do it for 20 minutes. Maybe. And right. then they would lose their voice for a while, right? Like laryngitis to a degree. Or think about right. it. You go to a concert and you scream the songs in your normal voice. Right. Right. The next day you wake up, you kind of lost your voice a little bit. She yeah. was doing this every single night for four to six hours a night. Really? Every night. Yes. So so was she was she aware she was doing it afterwards or And was... she could not control it. Oh, really? Ah, oh, this is possession. It sure does this sound is, that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does sound like that. Now, the skeptics came in because mm -hmm. they heard about this and they said, super easy. We're going to disprove it right here, right now. You guys are wasting your time. I know what they did, I think. So they go to Janet with a mm -hmm. glass of water. Yep. Yeah. They I make her drink water. They put tape over her mouth and they said, Go ahead and talk. Go ahead and talk, Bill, because that's the the entity's name. Go ahead and talk, Bill. Right. In the same voice, the same cadence, 
he spoke. Now that's wild. So they assume she swallowed the water and was able to right. like be a ventriloquist. They take the tape Through off. Through the tape. <laughs> she spits the water into a glass. Wow. All right. And it's hard to remain step skeptic at this point. But here's the funny part. Mm-hmm. It didn't say what the skeptics said, but I can only assume they're like, well, this is out of our jurisdiction. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that is. I'm gone. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. That's and extremely so wild. Someone might have to like check this word for me, but there's a word called apophenia. Have you ever heard of that word before? No clue. That's way out of my pay grade, Nick. Yeah. So someone should check this and I'm not going to do it since we're on the podcast right now, but what it is, is a description of how people see patterns where none exist. Oh yeah. And I'm searching my memory now to think if I'm hearing that child doing a voice that's so perfectly fitting into an old adult that my mind's making the connection because to me, that is an older British person's voice. 100%. Like it, it even sounds like from a certain area similar oh, to yeah. like people I talk to at work sometimes. Like it's just, it's just too perfect. And I'm just trying to think if my mind is mistakenly making a connection that's not there but you're hearing it too right oh 100 yeah it sounds like if if someone because again i'm from the states and of course we're ignorant right. somewhat to people outside of our realm but like when i hear that the first thing i think is a british sailor that's probably 50 you know, yeah. some, 60 some years old yeah i can kind of get that it's that almost like a blue collar sailor or worker that that's just how they talk. That's their kings. Because yeah. if you listen, when they sing in merrily, merrily, he, they cussed yeah. at the end. And they yeah. said that was, Janet did not cuss. I had to bleep that out, boys and girls, by the right, way. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, yeah, wow. Like, yeah. I, I know girl, the type. They're never formal. No. Like someone who's never spoken formally. Like someone who would tell you exactly what they're thinking. But again, when you listen to that, like even the Merrily, 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 that's a kid's right. song. Yes. You have to think, this is just trying to scare people at this point, too, because it's right. singing a kid's song in an old man's voice, and then it cusses at the end, so you know, I ain't no kid and I'm here. Yeah, that's right. It's so like a veiled creepy. threat almost. Yeah, it is. I'm not going to lie. When I started enhancing the audio on the first one, I almost mm-hmm. wanted to stop and just leave it the way it was. Cause I'm like, this is spooky. Like listening yeah. to this and knowing what the girl sounds like, this is spooky. Mm-hmm. Now I, I got to say, the, Oh, sorry. Mm-hmm. You're fine. Go ahead. No, I just got to say for the movie, they did an excellent job of matching that voice. Oh yeah. If you look at the photos in the movie, I had to double check the photos that I downloaded because they almost followed exactly the photos that's in real life in the movie. Like it's so close. They did an amazing job. And the people, the actors that they had Mm -hmm. looked almost exactly like the real life people. Yeah. They like the guy that love and care. Oh yeah. The guy that played Maurice looks just like Maurice. Right. Just like him. 
Um, now, something that's interesting, and it didn't cover it in the narration, and I just now thought about it. The voice went to Janet and started taking over Janet. Before that, we said that they heard the disembodied voices. Then the paranormal investigators came in and that went away. But the right. knocking was still there. Yeah. They did start communicating with it by knocking once for no, twice mm-hmm. for yes. Right. So they started asking a series of questions, and that's how they got the answer. But occasionally, whatever this entity was would knock three times. Hmm. In fact, I think I've got an audio clip coming up where it's like, what does three mean? Like, why, why did you knock three times? Right. And it's just like it's messing with them. Right. Interesting. But again, if I'm a kid and I'm doing the knocking game, we're talking mm-hmm. about an 11-year-old. If she knows, right. okay, once is no, twice is yes, she would never knock three times. Like, why Why would a kid think to do yeah. that, right? Like, you give a kid a task, this is what you're going to do, mm-hmm. they're going to stay on that task because their brain's not thinking further at 11 years old anyway. They're not thinking right. further of, how can I mess with this investigator's mind? Like, that's not, yeah. that's not where yeah, the Yeah, they're very is. linear. At that Correct. stage, it's very linear. Correct. Yeah. I told you that voice was going to be spooky. I, I couldn't, couldn't imagine how close it is to the movie one, but it, it is creepy. Like, oh, I just yeah. can't picture a kid making that sound. I really can't. Maybe oh, it's yeah. a lack of imagination, but that's that's too much. If a kid did it's, that in real life, I'd be like, oh, yeah. be gone, child, be listen, gone. I would be, I'd be <laughs> like, listen, I hope your new step parents are amazing. Okay. Yeah. Listen, I got two other ones. It's, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You know, um, this next part kind of talks about that water thing. Um, okay. It'll go into a couple other things, but are you ready for that? Or you got more thoughts? Yeah. Like- mm. No, I, I want more information. I've got a lot going on here. <laughs> but I need more information. Here you go, Nick. The malevolent presence that had tormented the Hodgson family was far from finished, and its displays of power were about to take an even more sinister turn. The voice, with its eerie revelations, had shaken the family to their core, but what followed would defy the laws of physics and challenge the very boundaries of reality. Inexplicable occurrences began to unfold with greater intensity. Furniture, once thought to be solid and immovable, defied gravity and danced in defiance of the natural order. Johnny just got in bed from me, head down, turned the lights out, and that lands over there. He and the light or something moved down. Right, that's the uh, front of the uh, doll's house. It's thrown right across the room, over the top of the bed to the door. The doll's house is in the corner, away from the bed. And the light has jumped backwards from the end of the bed and is now under the bed. The phenomena of levitation took center stage. It started innocently enough with objects like chairs and small pieces of furniture lifting off the ground, hovering briefly, and then returning to their original positions. To those who witnessed it, the sight was nothing short of astonishing and terrifying. 
But it wasn't long before the entity's influence extended beyond mere objects. The levitations began to target Janet, the young daughter of the family, with chilling regularity. Janet, a child caught in the grip of the unexplained, found herself lifted from her bed and suspended in midair. The door opened to let her out the door. Yeah. I was learning no. this. What happened? Yeah, tell me what happened. Tell me what happened. I was in bed asleep. And all of a sudden I felt something pull me by the arms out yeah. big. Yeah. And I tripped over there and I went there. Yeah. And it lifted me up. And I saw the door opened and I went out the door and I came flying downstairs. And I see the door open. I was on my oh, side. This way, I look around. Sorry. Come on, walk it up. Come on, walk it up. Do you know, I saw I heard footsteps. I wasn't sure. I fancy I'd been a door for it. Go out the door. That's the biggest trick of the lot, huh? The laws of gravity seemed to hold no sway over her as she hovered, helpless and vulnerable. The phenomena escalated, with Janet experiencing repeated and inexplicable levitations, often in the presence of astonished witnesses, including paranormal investigators who sought to understand the source of this supernatural power. The levitations became a chilling testament to the malevolent force that had taken residence in the Hodgson home. As Janet and her family grappled with these inexplicable events, they found themselves trapped in a nightmare with no escape. <laughs> yeah. Every time we start again, Nick goes, Woo. Yeah, it's uh it's wild because I can tell the absolute confusion in the in the voices of the adults there. And mm-hmm. they're saying things trying to explain the events that just happened. Now a child that was making something up would use what they're saying to add on to their story, but the kid just isn't doing that. The kid's upset and explains that they were thrown towards the stairs, but they didn't make any mention of the door being opened or anything like that. And if a kid was making up the story, they would have used that information. That's my opinion on that. Now here's an interesting thing. The way that it was Mm -hmm. set up was the girls was sleeping. According to the reports I read, right? Girls were sleeping. The way that this is starting to occur is one of two things is happening. The first one is Janet, and Janet was the only one that was ever levitated herself. The bed's levitated. Yeah. But Janet as a person, she's the only one that ever levitated. She would levitate off the bed. And most of the, what was it they said? Most of the time, she had no clue it was happening. Right. She was almost. She said she was lifted up by her arms or something. 
Did yeah, she mention the, that? The crazy part is, is over half the time she was in like an altered state. Right. So now you've got those files that I sent to you in discord. Mm-hmm. I want you to take a glance at those. I know you've been dying to see what's there. You're going to see a series of things in that, in that file. One of which is a picture of Janet in red pajamas. This picture is okay. iconic. They was in the room where she was levitated and thrown. Okay. Now, if you're looking at that photo, she would have had to have jumped off the bed for that to have occurred. Yeah, it doesn't they, look like she's got forward momentum. No. Right. But she's being thrown okay. there. So, again, as interesting as the thought process of she's just jumping off the bed, the way her body looks in that photo does not look like someone jumping off of a bed. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Now, there is also a picture that I labeled the possessed. And it's Janet in a bathroom. And you see someone opening the door to find her in the bathroom. Yeah. They said that was a moment when Bill was in her body. And it was Bill talking. But look at her face. Yeah, that's. Almost like a different person. Yeah. Let me look at one of the other pictures. Mm-hmm. We must have one where she's just like normal here. Yeah. There's actually um, a few. There's one of her mom and the two kids. Now, something that I found really interesting is there's a picture called the children. Yeah. And if you look at that, the mom is obviously on the, the right-hand side. Right. If do you notice anything about the way the mom's reacting? Hold on, let me bring this to my main screen for a moment here. <laughs> we're investigating this, folks. And also, yeah. If uh you want to see these photos, we're going to put on the Instagram for you. She looks like she's a nervous wreck to begin with. Correct. Correct. That was in the very beginning of some of this activity that does not look like someone who's faking something. No, she, she looks, I mean, she's got a finger in her mouth, finger in her mouth. Like that is common anxiety slash stress is what I would call that. Yeah. They all look like, I don't know what expression Janet's making, but the boy looks very distressed. Yes. And then if you look at, the one that's labeled the Hodgson's and it's the mom. I think it's the mom, the one underneath the lady. I don't think that's mom. I think that's one of the investigators. Um, right. That is Janet. Look at her face. Right. And then go back and look at the bathroom. It's almost like two completely different people. Yeah, it really is. Because in the first photo, she just looks like a normal kid, like a young 11 year old kid. But when you look at the one in the bathroom, you're like, that is not an 11-year-old kid. 
Yeah. She looks like that, see, Chucky. I, right. I didn't think that was one of the girls when I first opened it up. Now, mind yeah, you, these pictures are small, but it yep. doesn't look like one of the girls. No, not at all. But then you incorporate that voice into it. Now, here's the other thing, and this is just me as a dumb American, okay? When I listen to her talking, which she was thrown from that room, when you listen right. to her talk, she almost talks like it's a different cadence, but it also sounds more like a posh, what I would call like a posh kind of voice. Yeah. It, it Versus when Bill's like talking. low class. Bill's low Correct. class. Correct. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm not trained enough on the accents to tell, but that's the impression I get to. Right. As a dumb American, I listen to her and I go, it sounds like a more civilized sounding voice versus Bill just sounds right. like blue collar worker. I worked a 12 hour shift. I'm done with the day. Screw this world. I've been doing yeah. this 55 years. It's just a, it's like a different person all the way around. Yeah. I definitely got that impression too. But the, I don't know if you caught this also. Oh, I think I, I think I was telling this, but I didn't finish it. So when they talked about her being thrown out of the room, there was an investigator that was outside of that room. Hmm. And if you listen, they said they couldn't get in to the room. Right. I did. I do recall that. So as they're in the process of figuring out how to get into the room, the door opens and she flies out almost to the staircase. Right. The other investigator that comes up that has the very clear voice, which he has an amazing voice, by the way, I could listen to him. Yeah. Very radio voice. That guy. Very radio. He says he's just trying to figure out what's going on. He goes, what happened? And if you look, the first thing he asked was everybody else. He didn't ask the girl. Right. What did you see? What did you see? What he is a true investigator. That's right. He didn't, he didn't go to the source of the one thrown. He went to everyone else and he goes to the person who's thrown last. What happened? Right. Tell me what happened. He wants to see if the stories fit. Right. Do they align? Correct. And now, like all good stories, it fit, but the girl gave way less information, which is what you explained. Right. Exactly. Her, her focus was, I just got thrown and almost got thrown down a stairway. Yeah, Which, she was if you're in, 11, like, she was in it. <laughs> you yeah. know. She didn't care I, about the door. She saw it as no. I almost died. Right. So and correct me if I'm wrong on this. Did the mm-hmm. cuz this is kind of important to my understanding. Mm-hmm. Did they say that the door swung outwards towards the stairs or in I think they just said it opened. And to be honest, I'm not sure what direction it swung. Yeah. The only reason that's important to me is if if someone was trying, well, if someone was trying to get in and a child is blocking the door from swinging inwards, that's within the realm of possibility. If someone's trying to open the door outwards and they're pulling and the kid's pulling against it, there's no way on heaven or earth they're going to stop a grown adult from pulling the door out. See, and I'm thinking the complete polar opposite within reason. Really? If the door swings in and someone's trying to figure out how to get in, there's mm-hmm. no way that a child's going to be able to open the door and then fling themselves out of it. Versus if it swings right. out, 
they have an easier time just flying out with the door. Yeah, I'm looking at this as like two separate events that like they've been trying to get right. in and they right. can't do it. And then afterwards, there's the flinging. But think about it. If you're the guy or the person that's outside mm-hmm. and you're like, I can't get in here. Like, you're probably thinking like, yeah. I'm going to have to go get someone to get this door open. And right. then as they're trying to think of this stuff, here comes the door flying open and a kid flying out. <laughs> like, how crazy yeah, is that? Like, yeah, they send it a little bit confused in shock as well you know absolutely they're like what did i just witness right because now it's just not throwing them around the room it's literally stairs through yeah like it's trying to kill them and if you're a kid listen you can be a little bit of a daredevil you're not that much of a daredevil you're not gonna do something that potentially is going to kill you (laughs) You yeah otherwise it would happen way more frequently Oh, you'd hear yeah. stories of kids falling downstairs. It's not super common, thankfully. No. Thankfully um, not. Yeah. And, but but everyone in that scenario, when we listened to the clip, in my mind, sounded believable for one reason or another. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100%. Because, again, in my opinion, everyone sounded confused. The girl sounded confused. The investigator right. that was on the outside sounded confused. Mm-hmm. The guy coming up the stairway equally as confused. But thank goodness for him as an investigator, he's looking at everything going, what did you see? What? Because I think if he wouldn't have done that, right, we wouldn't have known exactly what we heard. Yeah, it was fantastic presence of mind, and it leads me to think that he's seen some stuff. He's seen some stuff. This That, yeah. to me, explains that this is not some guy that's been a paranormal investigator for a week. Right. Like he's been doing it for so long that he's trying to piece the pieces of the puzzle together because my guess is if there was anything that was a little sketchy, he'd have been like, yeah, no, I see what happened here you know, be upfront and real with me. Like, don't, right. Don't tell me this stuff's happening when it's not. Yeah. He, he's not that guy who's uh, posting up his card at a Greco pizza in my small town right. uh, that we saw last week and had a good laugh at it. Like this is <laughs> exactly, <laughs> this is the real deal. He's seen stuff. Now there's also a photo on this and it says Maurice gross. This is after uh, Janet had basically lost her mind. She basically is freaking out and he's trying to hold her because she wants to run. She's so scared. She wants to run away. And he's just and he's trying having to having a heck her. of a time at it. Heck of a time at it. Yeah, he looks like he's struggling. And I thought it was amazing. That's why I put that photo in there. At 11 years old. Now, listen, I love my kids to death. Mm-hmm. Any now, as a guy, any of my my daughter right now is fifteen going on sixteen. If right. I wanted to, I could probably hold her easier than he's holding this eleven year old. Yeah, he, and he's Janet's struggling. just a Janet's just a bitty thing. She's just a little small right. thing. She maybe weighs eighty pounds, seventy, eighty pounds there. Yeah. And you'll all see it on the Instagram. Like this is this is bizarre. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And the last picture that's in there, uh, within any kind of relevance, is the house. Mm-hmm. It's just a picture of the greenhouse. Uh, I did put a photo in there of the actual room, also, just you could so you could see 
Like there's not any major electronics or anything like that. Right. Um, now, oh, oh, I forgot about this photo. You guys will have to check this out on Instagram also. There's something that I didn't put in the narration because I thought it was amazing. <laughs> there, well, it's horrible, but there's a picture called Enfield 2. Yep. It's one of the investigators. She looks rattled. Yeah. Do you I know see why that. she's rattled? Why? A brick material materialized itself and was slammed against a wall right beside her. Oh yeah. She is definitely startled. She wasn't expecting that or that she should be in line for fake. an Academy award. Correct. And if yeah, you look, the guys in the background is like confused. What's even going on? Yeah. They, they haven't had time to react. I'd say haven't even had time to react, but a brick slammed right beside of her. And the report said they have no clue where the brick even came from. Right. You don't just have them hanging around inside. Your house. <laughs> no, they're not just chilling. That's an outside house kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. So this, whatever entity this is or whatever's happening, if you're a skeptic, Janet, whatever it may be, there's so much going on at this point that you can't exactly go. Yeah, I can explain this away. Even as a skeptic, there's no way. Yeah. And almost everything that's happening defies our logic, whether it's logic of gravity, logic of human ability, logic like, and I think they're going to cover it in the next segment. When they put the water in her mouth and they tape it closed, that you can't fake that. I don't care yeah, who you that, are. You can't fake that. That's amazing. And that's beyond what I would have expected them even to do. And for oh, it yeah. to have a result. Oh, yeah. Right. But kudos on the skeptic that thought to do it. And the skeptic's yeah. just like, we're going to disprove this real quick. No problem. And then after that happened, it didn't say what they said. But if I was them, I'd be like, yeah, you got me on that one, coach. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what that I, was. I, I think he accidentally proved something that he didn't intend to. Because I think so too. He, because we were under the impression that this girl's vocal cords was producing this sound, right? right. Correct. So water in the mouth, tape over the mouth, um, and the voice still occurs. This proves that it can switch back in between using Janet's vocal cords and being a disembodied voice that it was before this. See, I, I think deal. the complete polar opposite. I think the complete yeah. polar opposite. I think it's still using Janet's vocal cords, but this goes back to, if you believe one, you have to believe anything's possible, right? Right. Because what they stated was the voice still came from Janet. Right. So they didn't just disembody. I think the, here's the thing that I guess I'm confused about when it comes to the paranormal activity. Yeah. It's almost like they're able to manipulate things on a level that's beyond our scientific measure. So it's like if you're able to do that with their vocal cords and which again mm. the girl that was just talking a very high pitched voice to talk right. that low for 5 to 6 hours, 4 to 6 hours a night. It's impossible. But if you believe that happened, you have to believe that mm. if they put water in the mouth and they tape it because I think if it's demonic, it's like, 
you can't stop me. Right. I'm well, going to do what I want to do. Thing. This is why this is, I'm saying it's proving something else because like, I'm going to test it later. I'm going to put tape over my mouth without the water. Oh yeah. See how it affects my speaking, which I think since I can't force air through my mouth, I can't really talk in the same voice as I normally would. Oh, for sure. If I put water in there too, I don't think I can produce the sound to speak like that. Oh yeah. So that's why I'm saying disembodied. That's what I'm thinking. That makes sense. I wonder if they ever looked at her, at her throat to see if it was moving like a normal person Mm. would. Yeah. And I don't remember seeing that in any of the reports. I might have to go back and look and see if, there's, I doubt it. A lot of the reports is very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very limited is how I'll put it. Right. It's probably the right. easiest terminology I can use. It's very limited in what it's capable of doing. Right. Um, but it's very, the things that's going on, you have to say something's happening. I don't care if right. you're a skeptic, if you're a believer, something's happened. Either that or Janet is an amazing, I, you can't even say actor because you can't act that. Yeah, They'd yeah. have to be supernatural themselves. Yeah, I don't even think a ventriloquist could accomplish that. No, they can't. Their mouth has to be able to open at least a little bit. Right. And you have because to pass you have to air move through air. your mouth. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. And this is my whole think point. About it. I don't think you can make a voice without producing air from your. It'll mouth. just sound like grunts. I would uh, mm, mumbles mm, or mm. Like, yeah, mm, exactly. Mm, like, like if I was to say, "Hey, Nick, what's going on?" Like that's tough, right? And that's not even with water in your mouth. That's without water, right? Yeah, I, I just like, don't think it's possible. But think about it. They said it was the same voice after they did that. Exactly. Exactly. And it was, it wasn't just skeptics. I think it, I think it's in the next segment. I think it was doctors and skeptics both. Right. Cause I they think. definitely would have brought them in by at this point, I would assume. Oh yeah. Cause they're trying to they disprove it. The skeptics exactly. just want to make a mockery of it. Yeah. They just want fame. They just want money. They just want this. They just let me prove this because here's, here's the problem, Nick. Mm-hmm. whether you're religious or not to all the listeners out there. If you can prove there's absolute evil, you have to assume there's absolute some kind of power. That's good, right? You can't right. have yin without yang. You can't have good right. without bad. Yeah. So I think most skeptics want to prove the fact and go, there's grayscale and here's what's happening. Right. Now, I do think there's everything in between, but if you've got oh, for sure. evil, it doesn't exist without its corresponding good. Correct. There's definitely grayscale. Right. But I think that's why skeptics try to disprove one or the other, right? They're not going to say yeah. there's a all, you know, amazing situation, and they're never going to say there's an all horrible situation either. They're going to say right. everything's a shade of gray. Yeah, it's but all on a if scale. You ask, if you ask me, like if someone said, mm. hey, do you think this is a poltergeist? I'd say, absolutely not. Right. And they would say, what do you think this is? And I'd say hundred percent demonic. And, and I'm on like board you can't with sell that. Me. Because listen, 
the part that the part every single time I've got so many thoughts going through my brain. I'm jumbling. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> the part that I always notice is whenever I look at a case, that's demonic, the demon always wants to prove I have the ultimate power. Right. So think about it. This skeptic comes in. The demon doesn't have to play along. If you're Janet and you're faking it, you don't want to do this. Right. It's almost like this demon's like, test me. You don't think I exist? Test me. I have more power here than all of you combined. I can do whatever I want. You can't see me. So full of pride, these things. Oh, yeah. No, demons almost always have a sense of pride. Because, again, it goes back to, like, if you look at it from a religious standpoint, they're the fallen, but they don't believe that the end result is what it is. They're like, we're here. We control this. This is ours. So it's kind of interesting. Okay, so putting myself in the demon's shoes, Mm -hmm. which I know a lot of people aren't going to appreciate this kind of thing. (laughs) Yep. Let's pretend that I am Nick the Demon. Mm -hmm. I am absolutely going to mess with people in the same manner that is happening here. And like, I'm just going to mess with people. I'm I'm going to tell them their inner thoughts. I'm going to throw things around just because, man, that's fun. I'm I'm messing with people. I'm doing my job and I love it. Like that's, that's the mindset of this thing I'm thinking. Correct. But the other thing of the month, (laughs) (laughs) but think about it from a demon standpoint, how does the demon supposedly get its power? It starts with depression, Mm -hmm. right? The person becomes depressed and it does what it feeds off that energy, right? Right. The next thing it does is oppresses. Mm -hmm. So now it takes a whole new stance and it does what it feeds off that energy. Right. The other thing that it feeds off of is fear. Right. So now, if it's trying to get even more power, and if you look, more and more things are happening, more mm-hmm. and more things are escalating, more and more things that are unexplainable is becoming basically provable. You could prove it. Right. It's almost right. like it wants to up its level every single time so mm-hmm. that people become more scared. Right. So is that it gets more power. Yep. And I don't know. What, this seems very demonic is, to me. Yeah, me too. And 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 just like on the topic before, I want to move on on this, but mm-hmm. what is the consequences of it being found out anyway? There is none. It, it just gets more cast power. Out. Right. Like let's say in the end it gets cast out. Where's it going? Back home, where it came from in the first place. It can do it again later. What's Correct. the big deal? Technically, if you read Derek Prince's book, uh, which I think mm-hmm. is called something like Spiritual Warfare or something like that, when he right. talks about demons and they're cast out, mm-hmm. they just go and look for the next victim. Yeah. So what's the big deal? There is no big deal. It's just having just go fun. go to the next job. Day. It's like if Contract someone- Contract workers. It's like if someone stopped by and was like, Nick, hey, Nick, here's a 1965 Mustang. Have at it. It's yours. Right. You're going to spin that thing till the wheels fall off. You don't right. care. It's given to you for free. Heck yeah. And I'll get another one later. Exactly. Demons. Big deal. That's the Demons. That's their, their thought process. Situation. 
<laughs> yeah, they they don't they don't they have no benefit to hide. People always say, "Well, I wouldn't let people know that I'm a demon. Like I'd hide it in front of other people." No, you want to you want to do your job. You want to spread the word. Well, because and, demons uh, want to show that they're the ultimate power. Right. That's right. They're the chads. They're the chads of the underworld. Yeah. But they what they don't realize all along, which is kind of funny. And again, I'm not religious, but they're they're kind of doing the the work of the big guy upstairs anyway. Because oh, oh, yeah, the more people time. see this and they're scared of it, those people all turn to religion. See, so. but I think there's another like that's true. But I think there's another part of it though that the demons see, and it's if you can, in which I talk about this also, if you yeah. can normalize something Mm -hmm. it also becomes easier to ignore if that makes sense so Uh, yeah if you see that if you see all the these cases right like there's thought processes that you know if you can make the public see this and in this case there's so Mm -hmm. many news agencies that's reporting it and they're lying the news agencies Mm -hmm. is kind of manipulating it to a degree why because they want people to tune in 11 o'clock Right. So for a demon, it's like all these people that's now watching this, they totally think it's fake because Mm -hmm. this news agency is playing it up. Yeah. So to a degree, all these potential skeptics is like, nah. So it's kind of a double-edged sword for that family. It becomes more realistic, but how many people is now normalizing these cases? Yeah. And and I guess just to make it clear, like we, I don't think, all these kind of things are demonic related. Like I do think a poltergeist is a thing and I do think there are a lot of genuine cases where it is just a poltergeist and for sure, I'm sure we'll cover them in the future, but this one is separated. And I think me and bird agree because of all the extra things that you don't get from poltergeist. Poltergeists are like a force. This is like an entity. And that's where we're at. Because trust and believe, if you was to look up the definition of a demon, this is playing out 1,000% the playbook of a typical demon. Yeah, they got the handbook and they have studied it. They did. You ready for the next part, Nick? Yeah, absolutely. For Janet, the experience was as bewildering as it was frightening. She became the unwilling focal point for the entity's communications, her own voice overridden by something far older and malevolent. But did she have control over it? Could she turn it off like a switch? The unsettling answer was no. Doctors and skeptics alike subjected Janet to tests in an attempt to disprove the haunting or reveal it as a hoax. They filled her mouth with water, taped her lips shut, and kept her under constant observation. And yet, the voice persisted. It defied logic, defied explanation, and continued to cast a heavy, unsettling atmosphere over the Hodgson home. When asked later, Janet would recall little to nothing of the incidents, as if she had been an unwitting passenger in her own body, momentarily hijacked by a voice from another realm. It was a further intrusion into her life and her sense of self, raising alarming questions. How far could this entity go? What were the limits to its reach and influence over the Hodgsons? The implications were deeply unsettling for the family. Janet's involuntary role as a conduit complicated their ordeal, making them wonder not just about the presence in their home, but about the boundaries of control, agency, and identity in the face of inexplicable phenomena. 
So that was sort of related to what we talked about earlier. She she's semi aware, correct, of what's going on when she's correct. in these spells. And we had a great dialogue, and I'm like, I don't want to screw this up and say it's in the next segment. But yeah, mm. it basically broke down every single thing that we went into from the right. standpoint of, you know, this is not something that, in my opinion, she can fake. And right. on top of that, they're like, hey, can you do this on your own accord? And she's like, I can't even do this if I wanted to. Right. It's not voluntary. It's an involuntary thing. But right. my favorite part of that is the fact that <laughs> the skeptics and stuff at this point are even, they're even like, I don't know what's, I don't know what to do with this. Doctors yeah. are coming in because they're the ones that determine the vocal cords right. could not be at that level for that length of time. Right. Right. That's so all the people that you mentioned that. Oh yeah. For all the people coming in, trying to disprove it, it's doing the complete polar opposite. It's proving a lot of these circumstances. Yeah. And this is, this is quite something like, this is like <laughs> defeating all challengers. Like they're oh, bringing yeah. in person after person and each person's confident. They're going to be like, I'm going to lay this to rest. Everyone who came before me is a freaking idiot. I got this. Correct. And then they're, they're leaving defeated. hundred percent. Now, yeah. obviously, you're still going to have skeptics going to walk away and go, they was paid off, or there's this, right. or there's that. And the problem, I think a big part of it is, and we talked about this a little bit earlier, the mm. news is trying to get people to watch them at 11 o'clock at night. Right. How do they do that? Well, at 11 o'clock, we got this special report. Janet, she picked up the house and laid it back down as foundation. Like, they're just trying to get you to right. tune in. Yeah. So they're they're manipulating what's truly happening to a degree and they're embellishing. Right. So unfortunately for our side that we're like this, this has to be something. Now there's people going, there's no way that happened. Right. Because the one thing that, and I don't think the narration talked about this. Maybe it did again. I did this podcast technically twice, but Mm. the local news reported it completely different. Right than the international news on it. Okay. So local news was probably more fair on the, it was way more fair. Right. So it was sensationalized on the international news. Yeah. And then people are throwing the baby out with the bathwater saying, well, this didn't happen. None of it. Correct. Okay. Correct. Yeah. Like I went back and I watched it. It was a horrible version. It looked like it was from an old VHF tape for those kids that, don't know what that is. It's an old uh, r- recording mechanism. It was a right. It was a tape. Look it up. Okay, VHS tape. Uh, it used to be for this <laughs> system called a VCR, but yeah, it was from somewhere here in the states. And I just wanted to go. Why did you put that mm. out there? And what they did was is basically like tonight at eleven. This little girl. And then it goes to it. It's almost like a horror movie. Right, right. And I'm like, oh, man. Like, why would you? Like, you're screwing up this entire story. Yeah, you're muddying the waters is what's happening. Just to get get someone to watch. It's like when someone goes, hey, you know, I'll give you X, Y, and Z for whatever it is, right? Right. And then you go in, it's like. This is nothing or like a movie, right? Like when you watch a trailer to the movie and the best stuff's in the trailer, 
Yeah. Like that's crazy. That's the same thing that was happening here. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds so. me of those stories you see on like, uh, on like web pages. It's like, and you won't believe what happens next. <laughs> Click here to find, right. you know, kind of thing. And then right. there's nothing there when you go there. Correct. But, technically, Nick, yeah. technically, it's probably the worst thing that ever happened to this entire story. Right. I wish the news wouldn't have covered it at all. Even though yeah. it brought attention to it, I think it hurt it so much, at least here in the States. Or, But the local news was very different. They were very, yeah. both sides of it, they were presenting the skeptical side. It was almost right. like on the international side, it was about, look at this amazing X-man of a child we found. And it yeah. just, it screwed up everything. It it made it, it was like a national inquirer is what it was right, like. Right, right. I remember that. No, yep. it's, see, well, here's the other thing too. Like they were talking briefly about people getting paid off and stuff like that. When the cops came in, remember our impartial cops that we talked about? Yes. Um, when the first set of paranormal investigators came in, all this earlier stuff, they they didn't know what was going on. And right. this was a story coming from council houses, low-income people. They don't have money to pay these people off. Correct. So, I mean, that that sort of contradicts that theory right there. Maybe later on, but I, I don't think so. I don't think so either. Well, it's going to take a small little turn here, Nick. Okay. Are you ready for the turn? I'm ready for the turn. The malevolent presence within the Hodgson home had pushed the boundaries of the unexplained, and it was time for experts to confront the fear head-on. With the family ensnared in a nightmarish web of levitations and supernatural occurrences, the need for answers became paramount. It was time for the professionals to step in. The investigators observed the chilling levitations, often capturing them on film and audio recordings. They interviewed the family members and witnesses, seeking to understand the source of this malevolent force. But the entity was not content to remain passive. It continued to taunt and torment, even challenging the investigators themselves. Yeah, hello. Goodbye. How he did that. Now, are you going to tell me how you, how you knocked that sassy over? Come on, tell me how you knocked it over. By the bottom. You what? You got it what? Pulled it by the bottom. Yes. Underneath. Underneath it, yes. yes. And then what did you do? Then what did you do? Make Janet come in the room first. Why did you make why did you have to make Janet come in the room first? So she gets the blame. So she gets the blame? Yes. Could you do it if, if Margaret came in the room first? Might be her. Or, or or if Mrs. Hodgson came in the room first, could you do it then? No, she's too old. She's too old. <laughs> could you do it if I came in the room first? No. Well, what's age got to do with it? What, what difference does it make? How take energy from young people, not old ones. Oh, you only take energy? Yeah. The voice that had revealed intimate knowledge now addressed Gross and Playfair directly, mocking their efforts. Despite the challenges, Gross and Playfair remained undeterred. They documented each supernatural occurrence, diligently recorded their observations, and sought to discern patterns or explanations. As the investigations continued, the Hodgson home became a hub of activity with curious onlookers and journalists drawn to the unfolding mystery. Skeptics and believers alike converged on the scene, eager to witness the inexplicable for themselves. Yet, the investigators faced a daunting task. They grappled with questions that defied easy answers. 
what force could possibly defy the laws of physics and manipulate reality itself, and what was the entity's connection to the Hodgson family. If I had any way of showing, and I may, Nick's eyes when it says, I only take power from the young people, not the old. His eyes went ginormous. (laughs) Well, it, it, all of a sudden it brought a realization to me and I'm thinking back through all the, oh, must be hundreds or maybe even, no, I'd say hundreds of cases that I've looked into this. And I can't think of a single case that I've looked into where there was ever an older person that fell prey to possession. Have you like, am I being, am I just having bad memory here or it happens, but it typically, how do I phrase this without, um, it, it typically happens when there's other things that play. So factors. Yeah. But, like specific factors. Like it happens typically when, um, how do I phrase this without getting demonetized? It typically happens when there is, um, let's just say medications that's okay. from the street being right, used. Right, right, right. Um, and what the theory is on that, according to the books that I've read on this topic, what happens is children have a very open mind. That's why they say right. that sometimes children can see or sense things that some adults cannot see. They almost like they have a like a sixth sense, so to speak. Right. Adults kind of lose that. It's kind of like the story of Peter Pan, right? It's like yeah. once you get to a certain age, you don't believe and you can't fly anymore to Never Never Land, right? Right, right. The story within reality is somewhat true from the spectrum of once you become so old, you don't necessarily believe in things so much and right. it doesn't give a demon a way in. But when you maybe use street medications, it opens right. your mind to a level to where it opens up doors that they can then enter. But there's very yeah. few reports of adults because I think there has to be something there that allows it in. Right. And I think to a degree you have to somewhat invite it in. And that's why I think if you look at like the haunted locations now where they go, there might be something demonic here. Mm -hmm. Almost every demon comes to the investigator as a small child. Right. Because they want to not have you fear it. Right. It's almost like everyone goes, well, if the devil was real, he'd be hideous looking. No, he wouldn't. Absolutely not. If the devil, if the devil is, is real, he's gorgeous, right? Hmm. That's what a demon wants. A demon doesn't want you scared of it. Right. Not initially. Jokes on the demon. I'm terrified of kids. If if I'm in a haunted house and a kid shows up. Yeah, I'm scared. Oh yeah. Bad plan. Bad plan. Demon. Scariest things in video games is when I hear kids laughing and yeah. stuff like scary games. I'm like, nope, yeah. I ain't going to that room. Sorry, ain't happening. Yeah, they Not they got to do their demon. research. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, but it's interesting that the demon or whatever it is, right? We can't we can't mm. say it's a demon, but if someone was to ask me, that's where I'd go. It's almost yeah. like I only take power from kids, and I think it's because again, 
at 11 years old, she had a very open mind. Right. That, I, that, yeah, that just opened realization to me. I'm that, that was, that was a true mind blower right there. Cause even biblically, if you look at things biblically, mm-hmm. the people that was possessed by demonic, uh, mm-hmm. possession, uh, a lot of them were older, right? but they were in compromising positions. So mm-hmm. in that, uh, they caused, uh, littered, uh, well, that's not necessarily true. The vast majority had something that put them in that position to become right. possessed. Right. But even I, I by think, today's standards. Ah, man, see that, like, if we go back to those ancient times, I think it's difficult mm-hmm. to, because, like, a lot of things were called possession back then. Oh, for sure. Like, um, you know, leprosy I meant more of possession. Like, and, well, I meant more along the lines of, like, the most interesting biblical account would be the man with legion inside of him. Right. Right. You know, when I think of possession, like that's probably the easiest ones. And this is just someone that was crazy. And if you read the biblical account, everyone just thought he was crazy. They didn't think he was demonic at all. So was he old anyway? Like how old was Uh, he? The indications in the book was that he was of age. So he was older is what the narrative is. Now, we don't know. We weren't there. Right. Um, And what was of age at the time? 16, I think. Okay, so I still consider that a child. But he could have been 55. We don't know. Because the biblical yeah, account yeah, just basically true. said a man. Typically, right. they would label a child, I think, up to 16 or 14. And okay. then when they would talk about a man or a woman, that was typically right. someone they viewed of age. But okay. again, we don't know, right? It's like someone yeah. said the temperature dropped in this room. Well, how much did the temperature drop? I don't know. It dropped. We don't know if it dropped right. five degrees or 25 right. degrees. We just don't know. <laughs> what was it? What did it start at? What did it finish at? You know, we don't right. know any of those factors. So, but even How like the story of Legion, of <laughs> exactly. But even like the story of Legion it's they didn't think he was, you know, possessed by a demon. They thought he was crazy. Right. Yeah. But then they cast all the demons out the point of Legion. And another interesting thing is a lot of these demonic stories you hear the same names over and over again. I don't know if you ever right. noticed that. Oh yeah. But in the stories, but it's a very interesting idea. Like again, there's something there. I don't know what it is. I, I wish I knew. Then again, I probably mm-hmm. don't wish I would know. That means that I'd be too close to it, but I want to know, <laughs> but Nick wants to know Yeah, I ain't dude, afraid. when, when it said, or she said, whoever said it, I only take power from children. I'm like, nope. Yeah. No, I'm too old then. I'm too old. <laughs> you, you you got no uh you got no goods for the for the demons. <laughs> they don't want you. They don't want me, Nick. It's they just fine. they just want to scare you. That's all. It's completely fine. <laughs> it's all well, right. you know, all good stories. Obviously, we've gave all our indicators, but do you want to hear the skeptic's point of view, Nick? Yeah, sure. Let's hear that. Here's what the old skeptic said on this story. While paranormal investigators diligently probed the inexplicable, skepticism cast a long shadow over the unfolding events, challenging the very core of the mystery. The malevolent entity had defied the laws of nature, subjecting the Hodgson family to levitations and supernatural phenomena. Yet, not everyone was ready to accept the supernatural as the cause. 
Skeptics, armed with rational explanations and a healthy dose of doubt, converged on the Hodgson home, eager to debunk the claims of paranormal activity. For them, every levitation, every eerie voice had to have a logical explanation. As investigators documented the unfolding events, skeptics examined the evidence with a critical eye. They scrutinized the audio recordings, studied the photographs, and interviewed witnesses, searching for any signs of deception or trickery. Some believed that the events were an elaborate hoax, orchestrated by the family or perhaps a clever ploy to gain attention. Others pointed to natural explanations, such as drafts or environmental factors, that could have caused the phenomena. Even within the family's circle of friends and neighbors, skepticism ran deep. Some questioned whether the children might be responsible for the disturbances, attributing the levitations and eerie voices to youthful mischief. The skeptics' presence posed a challenge for the investigators, who faced pressure to provide irrefutable evidence of the paranormal. The scrutiny intensified as journalists and curious onlookers continued to flock to the Hodgson home. The clash between belief and skepticism created a tension that would linger throughout the unfolding of the Enfield poltergeist case. It was a battle not only between the natural and the supernatural, but also between those who sought answers and those who remained steadfast in their doubt. Always those, those, yeah, it's like these simple explanations that couldn't possibly. And that's what drives me crazy about the skepticism. Yeah. So lazy sometimes. It's so lazy. It's no different than when we covered Mothman or, you know, it's frustrating from one standpoint because it's like you went with the most un thought provoking concept, right? Right. It's an owl. You put no time into that thought process. Yeah, exactly. You know, I could say, Oh, is a raccoon. It clearly has no indications. It should be a raccoon. The Mothman right. was six, what? Seven foot tall. What owl do you know is seven foot tall? In a case like this, the levitation, they're just kids. You know, they're just kids. Yeah. Hey, they're doing kid things. These pesky I kids mean, levitating on. all the time. I think they that's were being uh, lifted up by owls. But the I crazy mean, part is happening. they saw it, Nick. My mom's going to be yeah. so mad because she's going to be like, why didn't you laugh at that joke of Nick's? <laughs> <laughs> it's because it wasn't that funny. It wasn't that it funny. It was. It was. I had a thought process. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, you know, it's like if if you don't put thoughts like we're trying to prove our side, right? So right. we have to somewhat prove this happened. Here's what happens. But then the other side comes in and goes, did y'all see that levitation? Hey, Bill, did you see that levitation? Let's just say they're kids. Like, it's the <laughs> dumbest answer. The yeah. dumbest it possible. It explains you nothing. Whew, ticks me off. It ticks me off yeah, so I can bad. tell you're getting riled up. I can it tell. makes me mad because if, if, if we have to prove it, Right. Because science right. goes, that doesn't that doesn't exist. Yeah. They say the burden of proof is now on you. Right. Mm. We're saying it's impossible. Right. Prove us wrong. And then we go. Here's audio. Here's video. Mm -hmm. Three doctors. Uh, she put water in her mouth. They taped her mouth closed from one of your skeptics. Right. Now you have the burden proof to prove us wrong. And they go, ah, it's just kids. It's just kids yeah. being kids doing kids things. That's crazy. 
Right. Well, I mean, there is one thing, though. These are what the skeptics are saying, but we're under no obligation to take their word as any kind of authority oh, that's true. because they're not providing us evidence. Like, I can yeah, be but- a skeptic on anything. That doesn't mean I'm credible. Oh, that's true. A hundred percent true. But I wish like if you're like, if, if someone proves me wrong on something, you know what I want to do, Nick? I want to figure out, am I wrong? Yeah. And if I'm not wrong, how can I prove myself still right? Right. Well, the important part is the first part. You are reexamining your thought. And if you discovered yourself to be wrong, you would change your opinion. Oh, which is what a reasonable person does. Right thousand percent right now if i if you are if you tell me you walked a dog yesterday Mm -hmm. it was a german shepherd and you had a good walk and brought it home and i was just like you didn't have a walk you didn't have a dog there's no such thing as german shepherds the end i'm i'm being skeptical but True. I'm also not being reasonable and right. nothing I said has any value because I've provided no evidence of that. I would think though, if these events and maybe it's just my mind is extremely curious and these people's mm. are not right. If I hear all these things happening, I want to know, like I want right. to see it. I want to see it firsthand right? Because I want to then change my course of action to go, Mm -hmm. maybe I've got this all wrong. And if this is wrong, what else is wrong? Right. My my opinion is start everything from a point of skepticism. However, be open to new data that you receive along the way and reevaluate your thoughts. This is a whole lot of data. (laughs) It is. It is. It is. Um, There's definitely something to it, Nick. If if we had firsthand knowledge, we'd be better able to form our own opinions because we can only use what what's been given to us. And oh, I yeah, think with percent. what with what we've been given, I think our thoughts are reasonable. Oh Pro- yeah, prove For us sure. wrong with additional information. I think a lot of people would be like, "There's no such thing as demons, though." So clearly, they're wrong. I can't explain the rest of this, but again, that goes back to not having an open mind. Like you have right. to. It it goes back to the conversation of people going, well, you know, you're, you believe you're a religious person. You can't believe this. And it's like, you mm. don't tell me what I believe. Yeah. Don't you tell me what to believe. I believe what I exactly. please. All right. But then they go, well, then you don't believe in, you know, your Bible or you don't believe in this and that. Nowhere in the Bible does it give all the answers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we don't know how things happen. Yeah. And it's not like new things can't happen. Correct. So don't tell us what to do, right? Correct. That's our statement. Don't you, don't you, wait, hold on, let me point at the screen. Don't you <laughs> tell us what to do. <laughs> That's right. You tell them, Nick. <laughs> if you're watching this and you're yelling at your screen what you want us to do, don't yeah, tell us what do to do. We're not doing it. Don't we tell us what to do. We can't hear you. That's right. You can hear us. We can't hear you. So we'll get real close. You don't tell right. us what to do. Don't you tell us what to do. (laughs) As the years passed, the spotlight on the Enfield case dimmed, yet the intrigue never fully dissipated. Numerous investigations were undertaken, from renowned paranormal experts to the rigorously skeptical, all attempting to untangle the intricate web of events that unfolded in the Hodgson home. 
Their findings, a kaleidoscope of interpretations, some researchers proclaimed the phenomena to be definitive proof of supernatural occurrences, citing the overwhelming first-hand accounts and inexplicable events. Others remained unconvinced, attributing the incidents to a mix of collective hysteria, natural explanations, and even the possibility of clever deception by the family. The Hodgson's themselves attempted to find normalcy in the aftermath. Janet, the eye of this unnerving storm, would later say in interviews that the experiences had a profound impact on her but that she had tried to move on. She, like the rest of her family, left the Green Street home years later, each carrying their own scars and memories, some of which they preferred to leave unspoken. For the rest of the world, the Enfield case remains a touchstone in discussions surrounding the unexplained. It exists in that precarious realm between belief and skepticism, where the lines aren't clearly drawn, leaving us all with lingering questions. What exactly occurred in that modest home in Enfield? Was it a desperate cry for attention, a series of elaborate tricks, or were the Hodgsons actually tormented by forces beyond our understanding? And what about Janet, forever marked by these incidents? What was her ultimate role in this perplexing narrative? Victim? Medium? Or simply an innocent child caught in the crossfire of phenomena she couldn't comprehend? The questions persist, and perhaps that is the true legacy of the Enfield haunting, a mystery so deeply embedded in the uncertainty, it defies any attempt at conclusive answers. As we close this chapter on deceptive reality, we leave you with this thought, whether you're a believer or a skeptic, the Enfield case serves as a stark reminder that the realm of the unexplained is vast, complex, and still largely uncharted. Bam! What a way to end. <laughs> I do have a lot of unanswered questions. That's the problem with this case. It's the only thing that kind of drives me a little crazy is we go very slow climbing up the hill. Mm -hmm. And then it's like one day they're like, well, we got all the evidence we need. We can't explain this. We're going to just move on. The family moves on. Family moves out. Everything stops. So we we were leaning super heavily into demonic possession, which I still, that's my take on that. Yes. However, they don't usually resolve themselves. It's like, okay, well, that's it. Bye. Correct. They never resolve themselves. That's what's right. so weird about this. Now, in addition to this, Nick, now, obviously, again, we go back to 13 years before the first occurrence. Mm-hmm. When I did research for my podcast. The tenants before also had paranormal activity. Well, what the heck are we supposed to think about this then? The residents after right. paranormal activity. Not to the okay. same levels. And also it didn't take them 13 years to get there. Right. So... Could a place be possessed? You know, I don't. That's not typically something that I hear. Right. The other weird occurrence is none of this happened during the daytime ever. Never happened at daytime. In fact, they would try to provoke this entity called Bill. They -hmm. could never get him to do anything ever. Right. Only during The, the dark hours. The thing I find amazing is they went back to reports and a man did die in the house by the name of Mm -hmm. Bill. Okay. 
Now, there's no reports of exactly how he died. But the fact that at 11 years old, you just think of a name, Bill, that said he died in a house. And someone by the name of Bill dies in the house. That's awful lucky if you were trying to guess something like that. You need to play the lottery. Right. Let's head to Vegas. You need to score here. Correct. Because the odds are against that. So if there's one twist in this entire story, there's a couple of twists. It's not like the circle of the letters, but. Right. How does these hauntings go? And they recorded this stuff for, I think, a year or two years, something like that. Hmm. This is over the course of a long period. Right. <laughs> just just one day they pick up, they're like, well, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. They're like, now, well, that's enough of that. <laughs> now, if it was today, if that was happening today, Discovery Channel would just set up cameras and just live there for the rest of their yeah, lives. Reality show. Reality the Big television Brother Demon show. House. Live <laughs> with Bill. Come check out yeah. Bill and Janet. You know what I mean? Like, it'd be a reality show. Yeah, they'd have their own station. There'd be spinoff shows. <laughs> All of a sudden, Bill would be in a hot tub somewhere, relaxing yeah. with his pina colada. Like, <laughs> it's so weird that it just stopped. And it then just, when they... It's done. But what's weird is then they talk to Janet later, like years later, and she's like, mm-hmm. I just want to move on. Like, I don't want to talk about this. Like, it ruins so much of my life. Mm-hmm. And I'm like... If they did it for attention, I don't think they would do it for attention that long. But in the same regards, yeah. how do you explain all the phenomena? Right. Like it, but it's, you also, this is why in the beginning I said, you can't, like, I don't know what to call this. A demonic possession just right. doesn't. I've never heard of another case where the demon's like, well, I'm in this body, but eh, I'm tired yeah. of it. Yeah. this is Maybe they just ignored it and it got frustrated and left. I mean... Something. It's like, I'm not getting the respect I deserve around here. <laughs> I'm moving on to a better body. Yeah. Yeah. This one's messed up. <laughs> it just, it's so weird the way it started, the way it ended. I believe something happened. There's yeah. too much evidence to say something didn't happen, in my opinion. Right. But I, I guess we're off the mark of what we thought it was. We'd have to be. I mean... I've never heard of a demonic possession where this ever happened. Yeah. Like they don't choose to resolve themselves. Typically they're in for the long haul until the person dies. Yeah. So unless, unless there's a part they didn't publicize, maybe they went through with like an exorcism or something like that. And the conditions of it were like, you cannot, you know, we're not doing this publicly. If they did, there's no record of it at all. Right. Right. Which I do think that's something that could happen. But then it doesn't explain what happened before in the house and after in the house. So, Because what's weird is people lived there before and they had some form of, uh, of uh, poltergeist type experiences. Knocking on the wall. Everyone talked about that. Right. Things slightly moving, but nowhere near what happened with the yeah. family. But it's weird that all that stuff happens, then it just came to a close. It's like yeah. at the end of this thing, I was so let down that I'm like, mm. man. That's how I'm kind of feeling, man, like about this. Like it was so spectacular and then nothing. Right. I, I guess the only other 
theory I could put forward is there's some kind of entity that resides in the home. And depending on the energy it can drain from the residence depends on how prolific it is. I guess I could see that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what I'd call it, but that seems like what we've got. I mean, at this point, I think that's the best we can do. I guess that's just if we understood how this whole thing worked, Nick, we wouldn't find it interesting. <laughs> that's right. I mean? Well, I, I guess we only have one conclusion we can come to for this. Owls. Owls, man. The dog on owls. all owls all the way down. Every <laughs> single time we do these, it's them doggone owls, man. Yeah, the owl conspiracy is upon us. Well, the biggest thing, obviously, for me, Nick, and I'm I'm sure it is for you also, is, you know, that's the beauty of some of these stories is we're able to look over them, see if there's something that makes sense. Hopefully you all enjoyed this one as much as I did. Obviously, I'm going to apologize in advance for this being a two-parter. You know, it's just... I know you guys like it all in one, but sometimes we can't. There's no way you could have condensed this all into one. The audio files alone was 30 minutes, folks. Yeah. I, I'm not going to keep you on a podcast forever. Nick's a two-part lover. My mom, that's yeah, the only like thing that. she got frustrated with you on, Nick. She goes, uh, why has he got to like two-parters? I want to know what happens now. Well, she could just wait extra time and then listen to them both at once. Like, I mean, that's, <laughs> that's possible. But see, two, two-parters increase engagement. That is true. So we need to. We need to. And that is true. you wouldn't sit here for two hours and 40 minutes or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, you got to figure we're we're almost three hours in, Nick. Almost three hours. Yeah. People's not, people don't have three hours to just hang out. Not even you, Mom. Yeah. Go do something, Mom. What are you doing with your life? <laughs> go go uh, do something nice for your beloved <laughs> son. Yes. That sounds great. And you only have one, so you can't screw this up. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully y'all enjoyed this episode. I loved it. I think Nick had a lot of fun. Absolutely. Obviously, if wherever you're listening to us, whether it be podcast, world, YouTube, do me a favor. Click that you like the podcast. If you don't like, just go away. Well, I don't want to know nothing about yeah, it. Okay. Uh, yeah, you don't have to tell us that. Be <laughs> kind. Tell us that. Be kind. <laughs> rewind. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but Obviously, it lets us know we're doing a good job. But in addition to that, it helps other people like yourself to find people like us. And I definitely appreciate all the engagement. I appreciate all the comments, all the goodwill that everyone has put put upon us. Obviously, on the good old Instagram, you're going to want to check out some of the photos. Uh, Also, now since you've made it to the end of our podcast, check out the videos on this thing. It's crazy. If you've not seen the real live videos freaky and check out that cop interview. That one was insane. I'm not putting that on any of our stuff, but go check that out yourself. Yeah. I'm going to watch that right after this. So. <laughs> it's spooky. Nick, you have to let me know what you think. Yeah. I, I always need more information. I, n- I never stop. Oh yeah. A thousand percent. Nick, you're like me. Well, thanks right. for everyone. Stop by y'all are doggone rock stars until we see y'all in the next one. Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>